Oh, since this is live, I'm going to... Wait, I'm going to turn up music again. Why am I doing that? This is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Special live show. It's one of those things I like to do every so often is crossing Rubicon. I don't do any editing anyway, sound editing. I just put it out there for... I don't know. Part of it's laziness. Another part is that I think it ruins the innate developing. It's like the, the way I like to work. It's the way I like to work. If I had to edit everything and think about everything I said, I don't think I would say anything because the embarrassment of some of the unsolicited things I've said. And you'd ask, well, Jim, why would you start a podcast with over 422 episodes, this being 423rd? I mean, it's all together showing when I went in today to produce this podcast that said 500, the 500th recorded episode. Now, I didn't release all those. You know, and you said, Jim, well, you'd also say, Jim, I, I don't believe you have any standard for sound or anything like that. I've heard podcasts where you had horrible sound and you put them out. Yeah, I did. I did do that. And I, I don't, I still don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a little more confident when I have um, a certain minimum benchmark I need to reach. I know that people work with producers and have wonderful sound and things like that, but we work differently. Well, we work differently here at the Keys Bartender. When I say we, I mean the royal we because there's no one else right now. Okay. Well, I'm in Key Largo. It is beautiful. The weather's getting hot again. Hot. Hot, 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 hot. Which, hey, it's all right. We can handle it up to a certain point. We're surrounded by water. It's not going to get much in the Keys today. It's going to feel like 90, but it's probably only going to be like 85, 86, 87. Uh, yep, it's mid-April, but we're probably... And then later in the week or tomorrow may feel like it's... Well, today may feel like it's 95. It's humid. It's humid down here. It's rarely... Whenever everyone gets excited when you hear, oh, there's a front moving and it's going to be dry. And they're talking about humidity. I know... I guess when you get older, you start thinking about humidity. It's not the heat, it's humidity. It's always that for older people. It's humidity. A dry heat, no big deal. You could put a... Remember Seinfeld bit or something like that. They said, if they were going to send a manned mission to the sun, they should just send some of these... Old, older men and I think he said men in their 70s but now call me I think that's kind of ages early now I think I'd have to say men in their 80s you rarely see when I was a kid you're always shocked when you saw someone that was over 80 for let alone 100 they used to do that on the Today Show and they say someone made it to 100 years old what the fuck and now you got so many people reaching 100 that they can't even announce them all. Willard Scott, I think he's still alive. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But uh, the other guy who loses gains and loses weight and stuff like that, um, God, this is a bitch sometimes. It's not dementia. It's just that I know so much, it's hard for me to remember. So it's Sunday, the, do um, the wife and daughter went to marathon they pick they're picking right now currently they're just left the door they, they left 20 minutes earlier than i thought they originally scheduled to leave which is an unusual thing for the women in this household to leave earlier than the time they had originally set up for and then they had adjusted it to 11 o'clock 
which I am so shocked. And he left very close to that time that they said, 11 o'clock. And I, I really admire that. But this morning, we're hanging out a couple hours, you know. They took the dog and all that stuff. They're going down the marathon to the Sombrero Beach. And I'm, you know, every so long, I'm in, in this healthy mode in my life right now. Uh, since the operation, so I'm watching the amount of sugar I take in, the amount of protein, doing a lot of, you know, vegetables, raw vegetables and things like that. So this this morning, I just had this big bowl of raw broccoli, and that's not the best thing to eat when you're going to say goodbye to someone. But I'm eating this raw broccoli, and then I worked last night, Saturday night, and I'll talk about that a little later. But they told me one of the funniest things to me, to me, it was funny that happened yesterday. My wife is a bit of a, I wouldn't say a hypochondriac, but she does experience symptoms for diseases she doesn't have sometimes. Not on a frequent basis, but on an infrequent basis, more so than a lot of other people. But um, I, I know that a lot of people, and I even have people in my family that are that way. But they were planning on going to the beach for a couple of days now. And last night... Abby says to my daughter, she goes, don't get all excited about going to the beach. I just lost the taste. I think I might might come, be coming down with something. And Abby says she's thinking COVID, but she didn't say COVID or maybe said COVID or something. But I can't taste anything. Now, she just finished drinking a glass of chamomile tea after drinking some wine. So there could be some reason why she, you know, drinking wine and then chamomile tea and stuff like that. So it's in the middle of that, Sky's cutting fruit for the next day for her and her friends and she walks over like two minutes after her mom says it and she goes mom try this strawberry and without even looking she takes a little piece of uh, what abby thought was strawberry and put it in her mouth it turns out she gave her a lemon with hot sauce on it and her mom started gagging <laughs> and sky said I'm, I'm laughing right now. This guy said, I guess you, I guess you can taste stuff, can you? <laughs> like that. And I go, oh, I was, at a moment, I was so overwhelmingly funny. I found that funny that she had the wherewithal to go and do that and stuff like that. And I guess that's mean-spirited. But that would have been funny. And I thought in my head, like, while I'm doing it, it would have been funny if Abby, if Sky did that to Abby. I mean, if Abby did that to Sky. You know, if Sky was one of those people, and I said that would be something she would do, you know, just prove you don't have this, you don't have that. That's, but, you know, a daughter doing that, and then I started realizing. I said, well, that's almost akin to a poisoning someone. I'm, I'm not one to give something to someone that someone doesn't expect to taste, and that's just a weird thing. I'm, I'm in the business. I've been in the business for years, so. I, 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 the last thing in the world I want someone to drink is a doctored drink or doctored food or eat doctored food. Drink a doctored drink or a doctored food. And uh, I guess I may have, I think I said this in a previous episode, that poisoning is at any time in history, the most powerful people in the world were always in danger of being poisoned because that's the oldest one of the oldest tricks in the assassination business for the very powerful, towards the very powerful. I mean, powerless people just got killed. Um, 
wealthy, power, powerful people got poisoned. Every so often they got killed too. Julius, you know, Julius Caesar, but um, just poisoning was the choice of assassins for years. And I'm laughing at the same thing. I said, you know, Sky, I appreciate everything you did on that. And I kind of was jealous of the gumption it took to be able to do that because I wouldn't be able to do that to someone. I wouldn't like to give someone something that they wouldn't expect to taste and stuff like that. But I can relate to the harmlessness because Sky knew her mom loves hot foods. And she has she has a collection of hot sauces. And she knew lemon wasn't going to really kill her because she she did, always works with lemon, you know, has, always has lemons in the fridge. So it wasn't there wasn't going to be an a, a allergic reaction or poison. But that that unexpected taste was something. And I I think part of it I had to be non judgmental about it. And my judgment at the end of the day, while I was hearing about it and laughing my ass and almost choking on broccoli, and I just said, "Hold on a second, I'm going to have to process this, get more details on what happened." So I sat there and I ate just to save my life. I'm thinking, I can't think about this too much because I thought it was so fucking hilarious. And that's me. You know, every, everyone has this one thing where something makes them, so it hits their interest. And there are funny things. It's the way people say things and respond. Last night at work, I'm working with, um, closely with three women. The owner, who's... Uh, younger than me, but she may be the eldest. And they're all, they're all healthy women. And then we have a woman that's a little less, a couple years less than 50. And then we have someone that's a couple less years than 40. And the youngest one, they treat like the youngest, you know, she's she's in her late 30s and treat her like a young woman. So um, at the end of the night, they're saying something the, the women are saying, she, she, the youngest one says, I'm, I don't know what it's me, but the temperature's really hot in here. And they all say that she's premenopausal. And I think that's really mean. But she also has a red face and stuff like that. And I was uh, listening to them say that she's premenopausal and menopause and all that stuff. And I said, oh my God, that's cruel. And I said, well, how about, how about your high blood pressure? I said high blood pressure. And for some reason... I thought high blood pressure was like number two on the scale of one to ten. And premenopause, calling someone menopausal, was like nine, nine and a half. And, and they all looked at me and said, you called her that she had high blood pressure. I said, children can have high blood pressure. High blood pressure is unto itself. It does not suggest anything other than a propensity to have blood pressure. Menopausal and stuff like that, you're saying, well, you're getting pretty up. You're getting old up there and you're drying out. You're going useless as a, a, a productive female. <laughs> you know? A reproductive female. So, I'm, I was, it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious when I said, you are fucking kidding me. You're kidding me. You're pissed off at the high blood pressure comment. And you were saying, man, I'm well. I thought that was hilarious. I also was, I'm, every time when someone says something that doesn't mesh with my common sense, sense of the world or the sense of the world that this person purports to be in. Like when I get someone saying to me, Earth the gym, 
who's a flat earther and doesn't believe where there's any space and the earth is flat and that's we exist in the in a realm of nothing this other than just being that there is no universe the rest of it is just optics and they said something to me earth the gym and i said you don't have any concept of outside the earth how could you even concept say say something like earth the gym if we're not on the same planet there is no place else to be right and they just looked at me and i go well you built a world that narrow enough where you can't say shit like that my world's everything so i can say almost anything and like you say and like this particular person who comes has a lot of conspiracies for everything you can create or listen to any conspiracy you want and bring it forward to me. But w- your conspiracies are a view of a tight world that fits in a box. Everything is easily explained. And that's where it's not easy to explain when you hear a story about someone coming out and saying that. That's a long roundabout story. That's the reason why Keith's bartender is very long-winded. I'm not always like this. You know, if there's someone else here, and around, I'll talk to them, get information from them. I usually, I'm always mining for material. But the main uh, thing in the show is Boomtown. And I, in conversations with people at the bar, at the Catch Restaurant, Oceanside, Mile Marker 102, talk about it a little later. If you ever come there, tell make sure that the, you tell them that Keys Bartender sent you. It's the conversation we had at the bar. We're talking about all the businesses down here and how crazy busy it is and how this season was early and late and there's no end in sight to the amount of business that we are getting down here, which is great. I'm not calling it a bad thing. The bad thing, particularly a lot of people were talking about, was the dearth or the uh, lack of additional labor available. Normally, when there's a demand down here, there is a draw from other parts of the country and from the mainland to bring people down here to be employed temporarily. And I think we've been hit with a odd juxtaposition of different factors that affected us, right? That we're excessively busy and because of restrictions, it's harder to work. And there's not as many people to work. So the remaining people that you have are either of questionable ability or they're just overextended. The better you are, the more overextended you are because everyone wants a piece of you. Everyone wants a piece of you. Luckily, I'm a difficult person to work with. There's not a lot of people that are seeking to get the bar, Keith's bartender in place. They say, yeah, he's, he's exciting. He's fun. But... You can't necessarily work with this guy because he's up and down. He's up and down. This is me talking about myself in the third person. I'm familiar with that. I'm really good at the things I do. But in other people's sensibilities, I'm not necessarily good. Usually they, they don't like, they don't necessarily want someone that doesn't care what they say. And I don't necessarily care what I say. Because I think um, ideas are out there to be discussed and I'll discuss them and I don't put up with rudeness I don't accept it 
and I understand his corporate policies at places. They said, "Listen, we don't we don't correct our patrons and things like that." And I'm a firm believer that not everybody, you know, deserves a free ride. And the better the place is for your ride they have, and more obnoxious people get. So I'm the counterpose to those places where you say, well, let's just let it happen. Why don't just let it happen? That's my prerogative. And that's my employer's prerogative to get rid of me if they don't like it. Which is the reason why a lot of people don't come saying, so in a boomtown, we're still talking about a boomtown. So I'm going to address something. Now think of it. Think of any ancient history. Rome, Greece, Ming Dynasty, China, the British Empire, on the peripheries of expansion or where wealth is created, they become boom towns. Like Venice, Italy. Think of Venice, Italy in the the Middle Ages. It's trading with the Middle East and the Far East. It became an outsized an outsized power compared to its size. It was a city-state, but it was one of the most powerful. The Venetian trading empire was one of the most powerful ones at the time. And that's because of the boomtown mentality. They were the clearinghouse for exchanging between goods from the West and goods from the East. And they were able to profit from that exchange. And they were the conduit for all, almost all of it. I mean, there was some of it outside of it, but they were almost always involved in it. Them, another city-state. I don't want to get deeply into history because you know how history is. But then you have the gold rush places. Think of in the United States. It's more, you know, like um, Sutter's Mill in California, the Klondike region, Yukon Territory. Now, you think of a gold mining town. That's a boom town. And what's the essential thing that creates the boom? gold and people focus on the gold well you could be a miner you could mine your ass off there's sometimes you barely scrape enough to make bank just back what you paid you might be able to do that but if you're lucky enough to strike it rich there was a myriad of inflated products and service surrounding you looking to separate that newfound success in gold from you separated from you because you're on the peripheries of empire and stuff like that it's harder to get a hold of it and you pay a premium for something that there isn't a lot of so you would have found dry goods food stuff dry goods like pickaxes shovels uh, lumber all this shit Hardware stores, foodstuffs, cartage, cartage, you know, transportation, human transportation, getting your family out there and stuff, food and lodging. And what follows these boom towns? Gambling and brothels. Okay, that's the story. of. But here we are in a modern day boom town. And there's always a myriad of ways of, uh, of finding your fortune. But think of those places that you, you make money in. You you say the the most critical thing of making money is the thing that people are coming for gold. No, there's a lot of other people got started businesses. The hotel uh, Marriott, um, the hardware stores, Montgomery Ward's followed by Sears. A lot of it doing services to these boom towns. 
because people would set up, make money originally selling those dry goods, bring it into place and say, you come to a place when there's like one type of suitcase, you're going to buy that suitcase. They only got one suitcase. There's no other place to buy a suitcase or pickaxes and shovels. You buy pickaxes and shovels, whoever has them in those places because there's no other store. And that's where people made the money. Brothels, gambling, you know, innkeeping, brothels and innkeeping. I don't know how tightly wound they were together, but some people just came boarding houses and they say, listen, you're going to come board here, you come and stay with us, it's going to be some price you would never charge in, let's say, some place like Indianapolis in 1880 or 18, uh, well, you know, the Yukon territory. They may be charging like 20 bucks a night, where every other place is like a dollar a night. It's, that's what boomtowns are like. So here, think about boomtown. So we got all these people coming down here. And employees. Imagine employees in boomtowns. Because you don't get a lot of people. You get a lot of people doing the things that they're famous for. So down in the Keys, it's fishing and diving. Right? Fishing and diving. And you had periphery, all the water sports peoples. Right? Jet skiing, sailing, stuff like that. That's what it's known for down here in the Keys, right? So you got the people thinking they're going to do their thing there. You got the people that are making money selling those things and uh, people that do those things that we come here for. Now, all the supporting services around that do all these things, this water life down in Keys, are the things where people make money. Real estate, lodging, food, booze, Right? You got all the other tourist stuff, but real estate, the uh, retail food, and you know, uh, restaurant foods and bars and liquor stores—they make consistent amount of money. They don't worry about hurricanes. If you're fishing or diving, you worry about silly—you know—bad weather. Bad weather spurs on that stuff. And it's longer lasting, bigger impact. A house nowadays around here, we were talking to people, if you were talking about like a 2-1, brand new 2-1 construction, over 400000 in the upper keys. Where you spend that money someplace else. Yeah, they're built the code down here. But you got something up north, it'd be something like closer to, on uh, you know, rural area, closer to 200000 And the rents are that way. So, Cost of living is high down here. And then there's the other thing about access to income or resources is the amount you get paid, right? We get, we pay more down here. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we had someone, you know, advertising paying a dishwasher $15 an hour. We realized that minimum wage is proposed to go up to $15 an hour, but Florida's a right to work state. They could charge whatever, they could do pretty much Everything, anything from the minimum wage up, which is every place you can, but they don't have any additional statutes to protect it. And this guy's going up. He's starting right up. The minimum wage is not 15 in Florida. I don't know what it is, but it's significantly lower. So he's offering a guy, you know, 600 bucks a week to be a dishwasher, which is, it's a hard job. I think they deserve it. You know, a good dishwasher is worth that at least. So... I mean, this guy's taking care of the stuff that you're going to eat on. You're going to eat on it. Besides the person that prepares the food, 
that dishwasher is just as important. So you want them to be uh, have adequately funded and healthy. Because you don't need an unhealthy person delivering the things you eat on. Do you know what I'm saying? The things you eat on. So if you're so surprised $15 for a dishwasher is not very important. But if you're not concerned about the person handling your your implements that you eat on, then there's shout out to you. Now, people are suggesting you can't get someone to work down here for the reason of the unemployment enhancements. I think there's a $600 bonus on top of it, which is almost the amount that they're offering. I think it's more with 40 times 15. Well, no, it's 600000 $600, not 600000 a week. So if, it, if some people may decide to stay home for unemployment, stuff like that, nobody that does like bartending or waitressing would stay home and not work for 600 or $700 a week. Because I know people down here, they can say, well, I know that's not, I got to make $200, $2,000 a week. People think like that. I like to make 2000 you know, I mean, that's my thing. But there's other people. I wouldn't, even if they offered the amount. And this is not my view. I think it's, uh, the unemployment is very important. I believe social safety nets are important. I just don't feel comfortable on public assistance when I have the ability not to be on public assistance. That's my first instinct. I'm not ashamed. When we were closed, I decided to do that because of the business I was in. But as soon as it became available, I went to work too. So I wasn't ashamed about taking it because I had no option. I mean, I did have an option not to take it. It'd be ridiculous. I'd be paying all these years to do it in the national emergency. I'm going to go and do it. You know, I'm not going to, you know, die or not die, die, you know, financially be hurt when there was certain remedies available. So I mean, I'm going to get deep into that. But staying at the end, that was part of mine too. I mean, I enjoy doing my thing. I do. I enjoy doing my bartending thing that I could do. I physically do. I enjoy doing spinning. I haven't done that yet. I've done it a couple of times filling in, but I don't have my regular spot. My notary stuff. I love doing that stuff. So there are certain people that suggest that there's a, a segment of society, and I can see how... You, Lower-end people may decide, well, listen, I can make the same amount or more not working. Why should I work? Which, that was the conservative side. They were, I have to say, yes. But there's reporting uh, requirements. I don't get that. At least for the state. I mean, if, if there's no available jobs for what you say you are qualified for, and you make sure that you're, you know, I mean, it's this, I, I guess it's, I don't know what people are saying. It could be, I don't know how they do it, how they stay on for like eight months down here when there's so many jobs. And I would kind of be somewhat pessimistic if someone was in Key saying they can't find a job. So, and I know there are some people doing it, but I just don't know of firsthand of people doing that for, you know, just saying they're, just walking around up, you know, being on unemployment. I, I don't know firsthand. I realize it could be, but I don't. So there's that. On the other hand, the same thing's going on the mainland, right? When I say mainland, 
I mean, Florida City Homestead, Miami North, even with the restrictions, they're busy. So if they're looking for workers there and they're, they're swamped, unless you make a significant amount, why would you spend an extra hour to an hour and a half a day traveling south? You'd have to really, you know, really have to buck up on the, on the starting salary, the wage. So it's hard. It's always been hard to kind of draw it down here. We, had a, we have a subsidized bus line that comes down from the main. It's very inexpensive for the distance travel. You can go 30, 40, 50 miles on $2, $2.50. Straight. I mean, if they had that with Greyhound and stuff like that, we were talking about, you know, 500 bucks, you know, or tops, you know. What about 500 bucks? 250, 50 bucks would take you, you know, 500 miles or 25 bucks. You know? That's that's a pretty good deal. Well, so it's subsidized. It comes down here, it comes up and down, and travels to get our workforce. But there, there's people are suggesting the first thing is that people are receiving unemployment, and there would be the statistics. But supposedly, they know how many people are applying for unemployment. If there's not a ton of them, then who is it? Who is it applying? They say the employment numbers are good, so there's not a lot of people on unemployment. So, yeah, I can understand that you want to say it because it makes sense. People get money and get close to the same amount they make if they were working. If not that, maybe more, they would work. Well, you might be wrong. People work for other reasons, too. And plus, the rest of the country's not open. You can't go to, you know, you can't go to Italy, Spain, South America. You might be able to go to Mexico. Bahamas was closed for a long time. So almost anybody that wanted to go someplace tropical this winter that wasn't Hawaii, which is inside the United States, believe it or not, if you didn't know, it's a state. Or the Florida Keys, Miami, places like that, Naples, Florida. South Florida was inundated. So everybody inside the United States... Any foreigners we accepted here, they also came here. They always do. Because it's the place, especially if you're English-speaking language, uh, it is, besides its former possessions, one of the few places that speak English and is very comfortable being in the winter. So you have that. So you get all these people coming down, and then we got... Uh, stimulus uh, money, you see people that say, boy, this is an interesting group of people that come down and you come down to Keys. You might see them more in the Panhandle or or some other place, but the Keys is a premium cost. So you hear people talk about the price, and I say, well, this is an island. And when I say an island, a lot of these ones you talk about islands, barrier islands, you're five miles from the mainland. You're five miles. Once you're, If you can walk the distance to get to the mainland, it's hard to be. We're at the far northern part. Where I am is the far northern part. And it is approximately 25 miles to the mainland. And let's say almost 28 miles to another store that's in a population hub. So we're separated. We're separated by significant. It's not a day-to-day trip where you just shoot up the road. It could be in, 
a two, three hour round trip sometimes. It's not arduous, I understand. But as you get to the middle keys, it is not an option. When you're 70, 80, you're 80. And then when you get to Key West, the stuff that's in the Key West is stuff that Key West has access to for a day or two. If you can ship, that's it. I mean, if you're a medical emergency, they'll fly you from Key West to Miami at $100,000, whatever it is now, $150,000, whatever they charge. But you're, that's it. So if you're driving from Key West and you're going to drive, think of it. If you really need something on the mainland and you're going to drive easy, two and a half hours, Easy two and a half hours, if not three and a half, depending if you or and crazy to amount of time if there's an accident on the road in front of you. Yeah, you yeah, it's a day. That's a day. You you spend a day traveling if you're traveling well. And then you're you you're wiped out just from the trip going back and forth. So everything that we get is that way, and those costs are added. Think about it. Just Think of your feeling of how you'd have to travel that way. That feeling translates not directly as a cost, meaning when you're transporting cartage like the old boom towns, being able to get something out that far away. That's the reason why Hawaii, everything has to come in. They do have a thing. They have a certain cost. They come. They get ships that come in with that. They rarely have tr- the trucks disperse it on the island. I understand, but ships come in and drop it off. There is a, um, they have enough. If they go to, the, I guess they mainly go to the deepest port on the main island. They may transport it with smaller ships to other places. That's a different. Uh, what would you call it? They used to do that down in Key West. Things weren't brought over land; they were brought by sea. Key West was supplied by sea. So it, there is a math factor to this. When I say math factor, it's going to be like everything has just this different way of calculating costs. So housing, you can get housed for anywhere from 30 to 50% more down here than you would someplace on the mainland. I know, crazy, isn't it? Same house. Same house, you just move it someplace else. Same meal, you go to a place. I've been to places where lower cost, and I'm like, I kind of question, how in the hell can you serve a chicken parmesan down here for twelve ninety five dinner? You know, I'm thinking, what is this? Is this chicken? Is this manatee? I don't know. But the costs are significant when you get stuff like that. So I know I'm dwelling on that too entirely long, but if you have all those, so the the boomtown about the inflated cost of hotel rooms the average hotel rooms around here 350 375 during the peak of it they definitely respond the the seasonal nature of tourist towns and the internet have contributed to the cyclical nature of hotel and lodging spaces they're the most responsive to demand and they're the most demonstrable fact. You can, especially with the online bookings and stuff, you have a fact of how many people are looking into a certain date. And you can, 
if you see that there's 10,000 people make inquiries in this week, that is significantly more than the 3,000 several weeks before. And that's how you set your pricing. And it's in flux. Once people have a bottom line, and I don't know, I wonder if they're going to over... If I was a hotel, and this is... You got to think of hotel as a per, not as a person running a hotel, as a hotel as if the hotel was a thing. And I'm thinking, I have a basic need of calories, and the calories is money, and I need a, I want to keep the same amount of people that employed as many people as possible. So, I can run, if I run at a thirty percent or forty percent profit. For six months, I could run on a narrow edge for another six months. And there'll be some where it's close to that and it slides down to zero. Or could even be negative for them. There's at times we think, when we went to the Hotel Grand in Naples, Naples Grand, I'm thinking for the price, if everyone was paying the price we were paying, they were losing money. I, I thought they were losing money. We had a a room that was larger than her house. The patio was huge. We had three patios, and one patio was size of our living room and kitchen. Yeah. And we don't have a small apartment. We have a house. So I just think that when people boom town, and you see it, and it's just experience mentality. And you view people as... Uh, you're, when you're making the money, that you're always going to make the money. It's always going to be there. Well, the rest of the, uh, this past weekend, they lifted the curfew in Miami. That's going to impact us some way. I'm not going to say it has a zero effect. Why would it have a zero effect? It is a major development. That means people can, they're adding 25, let's say if you're a restaurant and you had to close at 8 on the weekend, and you're able to stay open at 12, you're adding 25 to 40% or 50% of your capacity, meaning if you had that many hours you can work in, you can do. So those people that were eating out have more options than having to come down. If they want to eat at 9 o'clock, they can come down to Keys. I think we got a small segment of that, and we're going to have it of the tourists that come down. They're going to say, well, I'm going to, Miami just opened up, and these people, these places are looking to make some deals. They're trying to buy back customers. When they say buy back, you do buy back customers. It costs money to get someone, get someone who decides they don't want to go to your place anymore. But we'll talk about that another day. So here we are. But once demand starts dropping, I, I foresee, and it will be, the hotel rooms will drop too. And then you'll find excess of airfares and things like that because the people they've been scrambling to hire and eventually we'll have a I think a well-trained experienced crew at all our restaurants and hotels but in in a boomtown thing you don't necessarily see the customer service because you could go and work someplace else people act they do what they want a lot of times at these places. If they don't feel they're being treated right, they'll go and work another place. Mm. Demand. The 
so whenever it's demand. And the same thing goes for when you're talking to customers. When it's so busy and a customer, you got a person that's a problem, you're not worried. When you're, you have too many people, there's somebody acting like an asshole, you're just going to contribute that that person's an asshole. I mean, that's not necessarily the true truth. But some people just didn't handle the capacity issues well. I mean, patrons. As well as I've seen some places. You know, if you don't have you don't have the ability to do it, you just say, hey, listen, this is... Last night in uh, the Keys, there was a some issue with the landlines. Because... What I, from I understand, our, our credit card machine went down. I understand that, meaning I, I was there for it. So we had to do running old carbon copies and things. But we did some inquiries and found out there was all the way down to Marathon. A major restaurant down in Marathon had the same issue. And it's not just, um, I'm not just picking out one. There was, anecdotally, there was eight other ones. So we're thinking all the other ones that aren't reporting in. You're just hearing from the big ones that are having problems. So all these things happen. So the landlines went down. Most of these r- restaurants don't have an option. So they stopped getting phone calls. So to-go orders disappear. I'll guess people, you know, when the phone's going to, you know, all the restaurants, they're just assumed. And they stopped calling. We still had a good night last night. And our sign was gone. Our sign, we had no lit sign on the road. People said, I drove by. I didn't even know. But we, we did a little better than last Saturday without our phone lines open. So we lost probably 10% of food sales, let alone maybe uh, another 5 10% of people calling for reservations, even though you don't really need a reservation where we are. So we could have had, if it was up to 25%, So when I think certain places, when they have a certain amount of people and you have a certain amount of staff, they can be stellar. And then when it's overtaxed, they take for granted that the funds will be there, that the people will be there and they're always going to produce that. That's not the case. So you've got to treat it like that. This is a boom town. It's it's booming. Prices are up. And eventually, they're going to drop. And people, there'll be people that did were good harbingers of their their good fortune, and people that overcommitted. I think finally it's going to be a lot of people that are harbor that harbinged their resources better, managed them. Uh, I'd be surprised. We're gonna we're, we're gonna come back pretty strong from this, uh, and then when things open up and things balance again, people will just say, "Hey, we made it through a tough year." The places are vibed are stronger than they were before, more resilient, and we're keys are going to be excellent, excellent choice next year because they're going to build more capacity. Probably, probably I wouldn't be surprised. Some bank says, you know what, we're converting some things we're going to do, even though in this economy, this I'm wager a guess hotel startups, if the growth it does not exceed the growth in the in the tourism. Okay, not because people don't expect it to grow again. And this is where analysts don't think. So we don't think they should realize that that this could be like a one time deal where it's going to go back to normal. 
what, what I'm suggesting is that when, um, when things are done, this online apps like VR, VRBO and Airbnb are picking up some of the capacity. I will see that. That's my Jim Cramer thing. Jim studies the analysis. I just understand the economy down here. You know, I'm a micro economics guy. And I see that hotel capacity, though, these these uh, vacation rental conversion down here is going to, you know, people are going to start weighing the balance whether they should do the rentals, use the rentals to supplement their mortgage payments when they start arriving really soon and the excess income that they depended on is not around. So be careful for that. Uh, Once again, I'd like to thank you for listening. I appreciate all my listeners. And uh, if you want to contact me, this is Jim at KeysBartender.com. Jim at KeysBartender.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. I, um, I promise that I will not poison you like my daughter will. No, no, she will not poison you either. I always had this thing about poisoning. You know, you've got to really, people really do sublimate their their disbelief how, how vulnerable they are when they're at other places. Oh, what a horrible thought I'm placing in your head. I do apologize for that. On that note, come on to the catch. You could trust, trust me. That'd be like with the grimace when I look on my grimace, like the wise ass Philly thing. Uh, till next time. Bye.